Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, coming to you from Lexington, Kentucky. This is episode 16. It's round one of the Americans and Pinehurst Roundtable. It's a new series here on the Blind Shots Podcast with familiar characters but in a new setting. Fred and Matt are back as we work our way through the highlights and twilights of some of our favorite places in American golf. As we discussed later on in the episode, the Pinehurst area, which consists of the village of Pinehurst, Aberdeen, Southern Pines, and Sanford, North Carolina, and the surrounding areas, truly are the cradle of golf in the United States. A living, breathing museum. Donald Ross remains the patron saint of the Church of Pinehurst, with marvels like Pinehurst No. 2 and Pine Needles among his local portfolio but names any serious golfer might know were found scattered across the region. Palmer, Nicholas, Fazio, Jones, Cork Crenshaw, and of course, Mike Strands. With this new series, we hope to accomplish a bit of what made the Americans in Scotland series so much fun to produce, to give you a little flavor of the Pinehurst area as a destination and as golf theater, trying to discover and share what makes it so special from an outsider's perspective, albeit from a group of outsiders overcome with love at first sight. Before then, a reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is a member of the Talking Golf Network of Shows, which you can find at TalkingGolf.com. It's just one G. Uh, they host more than a handful of really wonderful podcasts, so please do check out the other shows on the network. You can interact with this show on Twitter at BlindShotsPod, you can find my thoughts and writings online at onebeardedgolfer.com. And as always, there will be links in the show notes to anything of particular interest, note, or relevance. A reminder that the Blind Shots podcast is sponsored by me, David Hill. In addition to playing, talking, and writing about golf, I'm a licensed Kentucky realtor with Rector Hayden Realtors. I work with homeowners, buying and selling their homes, and also work with investors and businesses on commercial properties here in central Kentucky. You can find my contact information over at davidhill.rhr.com. Reach out to me if you've got a real estate question on the tip of your brain. I'll be happy to discuss it with you. Now back to the roundtable. Our discussion, which is another smorgasbord of memories, laughs, and analysis, starts with how our trip started. This first episode, we're going to tackle how we approached our day of arrival for this year, that's 2020, uh, this year's trip included a round on Pinehurst number one and then we spent a good bit of time talking about the best way to start a trip to Pinehurst and that's a walk around the cradle. We mentioned a few other courses in this episode as useful comparisons to our other experiences and I hope to get to those courses later places like Mid Pines, Pine Needles, Tobacco Road and they'll get their full due and discussion in further episodes so please do stay tuned. For now I hope you enjoy and perhaps find some inspiration in our trials and travels to the North Carolina Sand Hills. Once again, here are my dear friends, Fred and Matt. For our 2020 trip, we played our first Pinehurst proper round. We played Pinehurst number one, um, which I guess was appropriate. Yeah, a new-to-us course. It hasn't been touched up like some of the others on the resort, like two, like four. Um, you know, I know number eight uh, gets some love now and then. 
by the I didn't know what to expect it's a short course yeah. who is breathing into their microphone Fred yeah, yeah you can't leave your beard was breathing into your mic it was impressive settle that thing down <laughs> Google Glass I like it um it was a short course you know we played it at we played the tips and it was tips in air quotes uh 6100 a little less than that at a, a par 70 um pretty quickly like the third or fourth hole i was looking around and i thought okay this is a less pretty mid pines you know it's, it's golf in amongst the pines it had the pine needle floors but it didn't have that scraped exposed sand that real pretty aesthetic that you get uh kind of over in southern pines but that was where my mind went initially although as it turned out it you know with the greens resembled that almost not at all what were your guys first impressions when we got off the tee and luckily nobody hit a horse or hit it onto the the racetrack um on number one that was i think everybody's big fear but what were kind of your initial thoughts going around there knocking the rust off um well my group um I was like, man, that first hole is uh, wasn't near. You know, it's kind of a letdown because we played. I believe um, started to play number seven of Piners number two. Um, Cause we didn't go across the road. We uh, we took a hard left after one and and went back and started playing like number two. So I was like, whoa, look at this hole! Holy crap! I, I didn't um, know that. So then, <laughs> yeah. So then when we played, uh, went back across the road where we almost got hit by a car, um, we drove across it and I was like, oh, so that number two was kind of a letdown after I already, you know, put my, put my tee in the ground on uh Piner's number two. So, um, yeah, you know, I think you're right. I think the, the first hole and the second hole, they didn't really jump out and get me, but I think the middle of that round, um, started to get a lot more enjoyable. Um, Let's see what was was it number four was the par five yes uh that went down around yeah um i think about that time it started to i started to get a little more of like a uh what i thought pinehurst what a pinehurst proper course was going to be you know there was a little more roll in the fairway there was a little more um a little more cut in of that of that pine area but like you said there was no there was none of those native areas that i was kind of thought would be there um but I think after I got past the first couple holes, I kind of um, kind of settled into it and started enjoying it a little more. Very for me, very similar uh, experience to what Fred had. It, it, it's a little bit slow on the uptake, um, and don't get me wrong, one's a beast. Uh, there is a lot of hole there you got to hit, especially we were playing straight into the wind that day. So you know it was that was a sizable uh, you know shot to get out of the gate um yeah i, I think the, the beginning of the course kind of meanders a little bit it's um i don't know that it presents you with all that much one and two especially um but yeah i agree once you get into the middle i think i i don't know that i expected the green complexes to be what they were um i mean those greens were very flat yes subtle subtle breaks that you know, that made it challenging. Don't get me wrong. It's not, um, it's not something, and I'm sure you're going to get to the, the, the texture in a minute, but you know, it, even ignoring that, um, you know, there's enough movement that it is, it is still challenging 
but it doesn't, you know, the sides don't quite fall off like, like a mid pines, for instance. Um, you don't get a lot of that same, you know, if you miss here, it's really going to run off. Um, so, you know, the greens themselves were flat and the areas around them were not nearly as, as punishing, I don't think, as I was probably expecting. No, I, I think you're right there. And, you know, what I kind of have in my mind, they weren't the, the big upside down saucers that number two is famous yeah. for. It's like it was a, a 10% solution of that. You know, yes. they, mm-hmm. they were, they had a little bit of movement and some of them had a little bit of, of slope maybe laterally right or left or left or right but it wasn't a ton um there was a little bit more predictability to these you know you either had bunker left bunker right or maybe one in the front and one in the back you know it wasn't one of the beauties not just to compare it to mid pines at you know hole by hole or shot by shot but i didn't feel there was that kind of reveal you know there were more elevated tees to a either a flat uh, either flat tees and flat fairways or a little bit of an elevated tee so you could see where you're going and you could see almost the entire green complex on your approach shot you know there wasn't that that subtlety of something just a little bit hidden or partially blind um you know it was kind of straightforward with some humps and some movement um you know the the two par fives it I wondered how fair it was just, you know, calling it a short course because it's only par 70. There are only, you know, two par fives, but the par fives, okay, so the one, Fred, you mentioned number four is 466 yards, and, you know, the one on the back, the closing hole, number 18, that's 426. I mean, the the wind had died down, and I reached that with a five iron in two. You know, that was my, my hero carry kind of over that, that sand. Um so it, it really was. I, my, one of my overriding thoughts was, and I think I said this to you, Matt, while we were playing, you know, by about the seventh hole, I realized I'd had 80 or 90, somewhere between 85 and 100 yards into four or five different greens. You know, I was just hitting that same shot over and over again, um, which was effective for scoring there. So, you know, it was a nice warm-up course, I guess, for our trip. But, Matt, to your point about the texture, Everyone that'll listen, I've said I have never seen grain like that. You know, I've played all through the low country of South Carolina. I've played in Hawaii at Kapalua and Wailai, or Wailea, I should say, and I've never seen anything like that. I four-putted a grain. I mean, just Mm. because I didn't see, I didn't give the down grain uh, turbo boost enough credit. It just, it could completely get away from you, and then you're scared to death coming back putting against the Velcro. Had you ever played anything like that, Matt? Nope. Nothing nothing even close. And it's, you know, it's funny. We were at, where were we? We were at Pine Needles. I was uh, with Brian and Mark. And, you know, we had, we were on two. We had a shot in there. And the grain was running away. And, you know, it was kind of downhill running away. And you don't see it. And we made a comment there where it was like, okay, this this is what I would expect the grain affecting a ball to do. And that was half of what it was at number one. I mean, number one was just, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was longer or I, I, don't, it was, I don't know what it was. I think to that, and Fred, I'll come back to you on this, but I think part of what it was, you know, we were there on the backside of the U.S. Kids World Championship. 
so they had about a thousand or so, or, or maybe I forget the number. Um, you know, juniors running around there. You know, and that's August too. That's peak heat for them. So I know the fairways were shaggy. You know, that was as long a carpet as I'd hit out of in some time out of a fairway. I mean, it's a good plain surface, but it was long grass. Uh, and I wonder if the greens, if they hadn't kept them a little long to kind of protect them from all the traffic that they were going to have, all those little feet um, yeah, all over it. Because, yeah, I think the, the longer the grass, the the more the grain plays a role in it. Fred, have you ever putted or played or anything like that? Uh, no, I mean, I've played... I've played a lot of golf courses, you know, Ohio, you know, our area, right? I've played a lot and I've never, I've never been, um, you know, that concerned in looking at, you know, the grain more than I did after like, you know, hole number three or four when I thought, you know, I was like, oh, I'll just settle this one up there and it goes, you know, screaming by or I didn't even get halfway there. Um, yeah, it was kind of, uh, it was different, but I will say this too. There was um, I don't know if it was just top dressed recently, but there was a lot of um, there was a lot of sand on on the green itself. Um, I, I mean, I, unfortunately, you know, my my ball spins a lot, and a lot of times it spins a lot to the right. Um, but around the greens, I can put some spin on the ball, and I tell you what. That killed me. I mean, I left so many chips short where I thought it would take like one hop, two hop, and release a little bit. No. I mean, I got like half of a hop, and it just sat right there. I mean, if it was – man, I mean, that was that was d- uh, distracting, uh, to be honest. I mean, there was times where I was like, I have no idea how to hit this little chip shot because – I mean, I don't know if I can carry it all the way there and stop it because um, I tried that a couple times and I had to chip it coming back the other way. Um, it was uh, – it, it, the greens were very, very baffling there for a while. You guys are right. The grain was something else. Velcro is a great word. I don't know who used it first out of you two, but it was good. Yeah, it, it was it, it was as good as it was in one direction. It was just that bad coming the other direction. And I'm with you. It was a um, – it was tough to find a rhythm around the greens. It was tough to, you know, I want to pull my 50 or my 46 degree pitching wedge and just chip and run all day. And that was, that was not the course to experiment with that. Um, you know, I will say to the, I, I don't want to just bash on it because it was a fun afternoon. Um, yeah, yeah. To the course's credit, you know, the trees overhung the, the plain quarters, maybe a little more than I would have liked. There was a low country feel there where you, you know, uh, Jared bless his heart. Um, hit probably he probably hit trees on from at least 10 of the the 18 tee boxes and i don't think he lost a ball you know they, they were benevolent that day and spit them back out into play but um it's not like he had hit one that was screaming at somebody's house no he just you know being a, a push or a pull and into the trees it went but to the course's credit i felt like it was if you could shape the ball it helped you but if you couldn't shape the ball you could still play like you could do the math of where the fairway ran out um you know i think matt on the on the back i forget what hole it was you had one that you you hit a big drive and it ended up out of bounds because you hit a dead straight ball that didn't yeah you know you're out you're out of bounds by two feet because you didn't hit a baby draw um whereas if you aim literally if, if the ball's one degree to the left you've got a chip shot onto the green and you're you know sitting as pretty as ever so um 
you know, there was some interesting movement kind of from the tees, basically because of some kind of vertical hazard. Yeah, there was some good movement of the land. It was a great walking course, but I really think the trees kind of provided a hazard that, you know, who knows if that even existed when they designed the course, if they cut it from the forest or if that was just a sand barren. Um, any other, I guess, uh, any memorable holes or things that you take away other than just the challenges around the greens? Well, that that was the uh, that was the play nine, and then immediately turn around and drive back through nine back to the ten tee box, right? I've I've seen that at Canewood in Georgetown, Kentucky, but that was about it. Where yes, you that you have a one hole loop, <laughs> and then you continue on the routing. And that was and that that little par three. I'll tell you what, nine was. I mean, you couldn't. You couldn't be short. You couldn't be long because you guys were short. And you found and the I, back bunker. I found the bunker in the back, which is death. And it's, I mean, you're hitting, again, as, as the short course goes, it's not like, you know, it's not like the holes on the cradle that are, you know, 60 yards. But this thing was not long. I mean, this was this was a gap wedge to this green. And I watched the first three, the guys in the threesome in front of us, every guy ends up short. So I said, all right, must be longer than it looks. Well, no, they were just screwing with me, apparently, because <laughs> it was about exactly what it looked, and I took too much club. But um, I thought nine was nine presented a lot of challenge for not a lot of space. Um, so I guess that's that's one of them that stuck with me. Uh, to, just to touch on Matt's comment, um, Matt saw me be short on nine, but he failed to recognize that um, I hit about an inch and a half behind the ball. Apparently. Um, so that tends to not really put a lot of force um, onto the ball to get it to go forward. But um, but I will say my favorite hole, um, most memorable, I will say, was probably 18. Uh, that had a very that, – that's, uh, that's what I envisioned um, – you know, the Pinehurst courses to look like, you know, it, it had a little more of that rugged kind of like area. And I don't know, cause it was on the other side of the road, like, you know, one and 18 were on, you were on like the, the well, Pinehurst side of the road there. Yeah. Go it, ahead. It Dave. was parallel. Um, well, Matt can tell you all about it. Cause that hole is parallel to number 18 on Pinehurst number four, which has that beautiful scraped yes. sand aesthetic and the clump grass. And he and Jared mm-hmm. got a good look at that. You um, sure did. That's no, beautiful over there. You guys yeah. It's really well, nice. I, you know, I teed off on the hole next to that hole, you know, <laughs> earlier in the round. So I got a little view of it. But I thought 18, um, I mean, I, I ended on a very high note there. I felt like, you know, um, I had my struggles. I started hitting the ball a little better. I think that, you know, the cocktails I had were starting to really lubricate things up. And um, 18 was a, was a high note for me. I, I really enjoyed that hole. And when I think about that round, I always go back to that hole. I thought that fit my eye of what Pinehurst was going to be. I think that's well said. You had, yeah, you had some some openings for some breeze. You had a, some elevation change. You had a rumpledy kind of fairway. There. Mm-hmm. It's a really pretty hole coming back in. Um, yeah, and, and it's exactly what you said. That that aesthetic that number two and number four get so much golf porn photos from like oh just look how pretty that is you know and it was a cool green and a good hole concept did you think that was legitimate par five though par four and a half oh no yeah because i i I hit it with uh i think i 
I think I hit it with a hybrid. No, I had an iron into. No, I hit my seven wood into that. So it was not a par five. And when I'm pulling out, you know, a seven wood, you know, trying to snuggle it up there close for an eagle putt, you know, that's not a that's not a legit par five. But I still liked it. Right. What a way to go out. <laughs> you know, I, I did like that the there were a lot of greens. You could run it up. You know, you could blade one and run it up from 100 yards on several greens. I tested that theory once or twice. Um, <laughs> but one thing I wanted to touch on, we played a, a game that was new to us. Um, it's, a, it's not a new side game, but we played the flag. We played a plant your flag game. Um, and for listeners, if you're unfamiliar with that, uh, it's a game. Everybody gets a flag with their name on it. Uh, and it's a matter of who can get the furthest on the course before they run out of strokes. You take the par of the course, so in this case, par 70, and you add your course handicap, which for me I think was um, eight maybe, eight strokes, uh, something like that, and you get as far as you can, and whoever gets the furthest down the course wins. Um, for our group, you know, the I, I talked to a, a pro about it. We played this in a league last year, and I thought it was a fun game. Um, so it f- tends to favor the high handicappers in practice, um, so the the better players don't play in those tournaments a lot. That exact wasn't exactly our experience. I mean, I, I looked at it. We had our our two five handicaps. One guy was in the bottom third, but one guy was just outside the money, um, playing probably with maybe seventy four strokes. Um, Matt, you tied for second. You know, you you played that as a what as a, a eight or ten, and you tied it with a guy that had thirty two strokes coming in. So, um, what did you think about that game? Did it affect your? Were you th- thinking about that and worried about that on at the end of the game, Fred, or uh, was that something you just kind of someone told you when you're out of strokes, and and that was that? Um, I had never played it before, um, so I thought it was fun. Um, you know, I don't. You know, I think it was a good game to start off with. You know, we we had all just gotten there. I think that was the right time to do it, the right course to do it on. Um, you know, there's not not much strategy. You know, into it. You know, you just go out there, you play your ball, and um, I enjoyed it. I I think that um, when I was getting close to the end of the 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 round, and I hadn't seen you know like. Uh, Clay's flag yet, or anybody else was like, "Holy crap, man! I got to really start figuring out where I'm." Go-. So I started using my rangefinder, and I was like, "Is that a flag up there? What? Whose flag is that?" I was like, "I'm running out of strokes here. I'm like counting them on two hands. I'm like, oh boy, I gotta, I gotta at least find a flag before I run out of strokes." So at the end of it, it was getting pretty exciting. Um, but no, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Um, like I said, I think that that was the perfect time for us to play it. It kept everybody, you know you know, into it and engaged. So, yeah, I liked it. Matt? So I dug it, but I had a different experience. I went out on the front, and I I was, what, two strokes under halfway by the time I finished nine. So I'm sitting here saying – You shot, yeah, a, you shot two, a 39. Half percent. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I had – if I shot the same thing – I had extra strokes. So all I have to do on the back is do exactly what I did on the front, and I'm going to finish this thing with the flag in my pocket. And so I then found myself melting down over the course of the back nine, just bleeding strokes for no reason, and just, you know, now all of a sudden it's like 
you know, I'm carrying a carrying a backpack full of sand uphill at this point. And just just trying to get a little bit further before I find the crap out. And uh, and Fred's exactly right. You're I mean, you're getting to like hole fifteen and you haven't seen anything. And I was in the driver's seat and I've I've totally frittered it away. And uh, so once I started seeing the flags, I felt a little bit better about myself. And uh, I had to run in a chip to get to 18, and I damn near did it. Um, but settled settled for the settled for the tie for second, and you know, putting it in at the end of 17. But yeah, for for listeners, second place finished in the cup on 17. We had two guys make it that far. I was the only one that got to to tee off for the money on 18, which was nice. Um, and I, I reached the green, so I've got my I've got my little saved picture. I may send that out as Christmas cards to everybody of my flag on the 18th green. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. That'll yeah. be nice. I'll, <laughs> I'll find something special to do with that. I'm I'm sure. I'm certain <laughs> you will. Yeah, the I, I want want to circle back to the actual course thing. Um, as far as non sequiturs and crazy Donald Ross things go, you know it's a it it's a course that tip maxes out less than 6,100 yards. It only has two par fives, both of those under 500 yards, only one par four over 400 yards. But they managed to sneak in a 225-yard par three right there at the bottom <laughs> of the hill. I, that just felt cruel. I mean, it, it, to my shaping comment, that's one I hit a – I was in between clubs at that distance and a little uncomfortable because there was a like a cavern down to the left, so – I hit my hybrid as a screaming hook as hard as I could, just aimed way right and kind of bent it in there and, and ended up a good shot. But that was – was that a shock to your system? Do you remember that hole or was that just – I do because I, I remember it because you hit a ball that there's no reason that should have ended up all the way down on the green where it did. It moved laterally on the ground like 50 yards and somehow Dave's friggin' 10 feet from – I'm again, I'm bleeding strokes at this point and – He's it, ten feet. Hit. Don't be mean. One, I played the grain. We'll go. With yeah. That. Oh, that's what it is. And it wasn't ten feet because he threw it at me. He picked it up and threw it. Oh, uh, that's true. It was less than that. Wasn't <laughs> yeah. it? I, I must have. In my head, it was ten feet. Um, but no. So yeah, that's that. It is easy for me to remember that hole. But no, it's yeah. That one. I don't. It, it was an interesting, interesting choice. It like you said, nothing else was long, except that one. For some reason, Fred, do you remember it was the one after the not? It was the one after the halfway house. We, you know, there's the big long par four down the hill, and then at the bottom there was you had to nominally carry some water or something. Yeah, um, it was, it, the water was by the tee box, but really the carry. I mean, you were hitting three wood. No, yep, I do remember that. I do remember that. Um, yeah, I mean, I hit a beautiful approach shot, which, I mean, to be honest, I was kind of. I was kind of uh, spinning some wheels. I I hadn't had a good um, 11 number. So the par three was a 12, right? Was number 12? Yes. Is that right? So yeah, the hole before I had a little problem around the green. So I just walked up and I legitimately thought it was a par four. Um, I was like, oh. <laughs> so I I hit a good shot and I was uh, I hit a three wood. Uh, and I probably wouldn't hit a three wood no matter what. I didn't hit it you know, horribly. And I got up there and I think it was Chad who said, I can't believe this is a par three. And I was like, 
what? <laughs> Beg your pardon? <laughs> and I said, there's no way. And I looked back, and then I was like, oh, crap. But, yeah. Yeah. That was kind of – that was a little – that was a little trickery. Well, I forgot about that. Yeah, sorry to bring that up. Such a bad memory, Fred. It just stuck yeah. out as me. It's like that was kind of orphaned out there all by itself, this really long, hard – Yeah. Um, par three that you've got to hit a wood or hybrid um you know unless you're a super long player wasn't it a little uphill too oh yeah yeah like over the wall like the pond was right in front like the only water on the course it was like a little uphill mm-hmm. yeah i remember it now yeah yeah maybe i just blocked it out <laughs> so unhappy about it well speaking of par threes we transitioned from from that to what is I think universally something that is universally beloved, definitely not weird and and not too grainy, and that is the cradle. Uh, that is the Pinehurst nine-hole pitch and putt. Maybe the wrong word because they're, you know, it's 789 yards total distance in everything from, I think it uh, that downhill shot from the pine cone. I've got the scorecard here. It says 127, all the way down to the next hole, which is scorecard yardage of 56. But I know. From the first time we played it with the pin in the front, it could be as short as about 35 yards uh, uphill. To, a blind 35-yard shot, that <laughs> one, one of the most uncomfortable in that entire zip code. Um, you know, I, I love the cradle for what it is. Uh, I think you're probably doing yourself a disservice if you play it other than the last two hours of daylight. You know, when that, that sun gets a little golden orange and the, 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 it starts filtering through those pines and the shadows get long, man, that place just looks, it's the aesthetic, maybe more so than number two or number four that I associate with Pinehurst, big sand areas, big native, you know, clump grass, not really in the plain quarters, you know, it's there for decoration. Um, you know, we, we played it two years ago when it was kind of underground, you know, it was still within the, its first 12 months of being open. Uh, we played it this year, and we were lucky to get the last two tee times of the day. So that was a little bit of a change. I feel like we were in early on a band that got real popular, you know, that experience. Um, talk to me. Fred, go first on this one. Because you play that thing with a big smile on your face. What do you love about the cradle? Um yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can if I can put it into words. I um, I think you're right. I mean, it kind of wraps up everything that you think of when you think of Pinehurst. And you have the rolling greens, you have the false fronts, and you know it's it's not a course that anyone's out of it. You know, before they get out of the out of the car, right? You know, it's it's everybody's. I feel like everybody's on some pretty good footing. You know, you can go out there, you can carry a handful of golf clubs, and um, I'm not a big you know, I'm not a big trash talker, you know, I'm pretty, I don't want to overextend myself, but, um, it's, it's fun golf. You go out there and, you know, that was fun. You know, I was like, I was walking up to the first tee and I was like pointing at guys. I was like, I want to play you for money. I want to play you for money. I want to, I was just, you know, I was, I was living large. Oh oh, no. (laughs) I mean, I was just, I was just living, I was living my best life, man. I mean, it was great. I, I think that you're right. You know, playing that at the end of the day, you know, in that, in that, the, the, the losing of the light kind of adds a little bit to it, but it's just a fun 
little course to go out there and play. You know, you, you see families out there, little kids, you know, playing with their, their dad and their mom. And, um, you know, it's just fun. You know, you can stand there, you're carrying five or six clubs and a putter and, you know, you just whack it around, go up there, find the next one. You know, you got the little, the little egg corn up there to have a drink at, you know, that same lady was there from two years ago. Um, it's just fun. I, I guess the only word I can use to describe it. It was a good time. Matt? Well, despite the fact that, you, you know, you'd call it a pigeon putt, I'd call it a, a blade followed by a three putt. Uh, it does not play <laughs> to my strengths at all. With that said, I I love it every time we play it. And it's I love the the kind of dichotomy of it. It is fun. It is you know, you're going to, there's music playing, you're going to stop and get a drink and carry it with you. You know, you're going to give your, it is the course to play with your buddies. And yeah. yet it is golf. It is Absolutely. as well manicured as, as anything at Pinehurst is. The greens are, are very difficult, but not unfair. Um, the, you know, the native areas around there are meticulously taken care of this is not some add-on that they you know don't put thought into and you know you're gonna pay a little bit for it but it is i mean it is 74 yards of phenomenal golf course on a particular hole um so but like you said it's incredibly approachable it is something that anybody can go out and play and again you're not taking full shots except maybe once so you know, it really, if you're somebody who's new to the game or, you know, something like that, it's not going to intimidate you. But it's also going to, you know, you're also going to say, how the heck did I take eight strokes to go 74 yards? You both touched on things I want to circle back. One, Fred, talking about the fun factor and why you can trash talk. You know, it's it's 10 acres. Okay, it's, it's an 800-yard walk. And that's the thing. Everybody has to walk. And you're not hitting driver, so you're not spraying the ball 40 yards offline like, hey, I'll see you at the green. You know, everybody is walking together, and that just builds that camaraderie, that builds, I think, that spirit of the place. They really got that right, you know, with the way the, the tees collect, the way the greens, you know, you separate, and there's challenge at the greens. Uh, to your point, Matt, you know, it, it, it takes less skill to play that because it's so short, but at a different level, it takes more skill. It's incredibly demanding because you have blind shots you have greens tilted away from you um you know you're not able to take full shots it's not you're not in between a, an eight and a seven iron you're okay how am i going to flip this wedge am i going to you know putt it from off the green um so it does it has that real you know god help you if you get into a bunker okay you know, those greens have grain on them you know so if you're really trying to score um which is perfectly you know if you're if you're out there playing for five dollars uh, or you know fifty dollars doesn't matter you, you do want to beat your your buddies so there is a a skill to it but yeah having everybody together in such a condensed area and and the staff at pine nurse has been great you know they offered to let us out we you know we went around it twice the first time we played it in about 90 minutes maybe two hours since we were the last ones out they offered to let us go as an eight some or nine some this time and we did we went as a five and a four instead of forcing us to go in as three groups of three um so they i think the the club 
the resort probably uses it smartly in that fashion. Um, but because it is, it's all about the fun. There's music blaring, the little pine cone bar. That's the name. It's a trailer um, up there that is behind the fourth tee. Is also, I guess, behind the eighth green. It, it's a real collection point. It's not COVID friendly because there were, you know, there were, <laughs> no. there there were a couple dozen maskless people up there uh, at any given point. Um, and you know, to your point, Fred, there's there are three holes that are technically more than a hundred yards. So. But, you know, 127-yard hole that I've played three times, that number four, I've never seen anybody land on the green. You know, that it, it shouldn't be hard. You're hitting down, you're hitting downhill with a railroad track behind it, but not, like, right up against the green. And, you know, nobody brings enough club or, you know, catches it cleanly. Uh, I've been long three times. Yeah. Every time I think I can hit it, and it's too much. Yeah, and I, I don't want to be short again, so I yank one left. And, you know, the contouring is fantastic around the greens. They're not huge greens, but they there is lots of movement in the approach. Uh, some of them are pushed up. Uh, so it's – It's, it's yeah. as challenging as you're going to find. I mean, if I, if I go out there – I made birdie to tie Mark on that one hole. And I was as excited making birdie on that hole that was about 40 yards long as I am making birdie on any any par three on the whole trip. I mean, it's it, like you score there, you deserve it. You know, on our first trip down there, that was the only, that was our only cause to head to Pinehurst, the resort proper, other than just to get souvenirs. And, you know, after going around it once, I was convinced if you don't make that part of a trip to that part of the country, you're really doing yourself a disservice, you know, because there's there's nothing else really like that down there that I'm aware of. Um, any other thoughts? Anything unsaid there, other than just it's uh, how was it an infusion? Was that what she was serving up? Was that the drink of the day down there? Transfusion. Transfusion. Avoid. Yeah. Avoid avoid <laughs> avoid that at all, at all costs. Apparently, you know we. Fred would disagree with you. <laughs> Tasty. Tasty. Went down easy, hunt. It was hot. Um, you know, we didn't have – I think we made the right call. This year we didn't have a time for a second loop around the cradle. Um, but the degenerate subset of our group needed, you know, a double or nothing challenge. And so we headed up to the Thistle Dew for the first time. That is the um, the putting course that is right on the – the lawn adjacent to the clubhouse. Um, didn't know what to expect. Um, I definitely did not expect no one to make a putt. It's it's a little bit. It's an homage to the Himalayas putting course that is uh, that we saw at St Andrews that is run by the Ladies Club over in St Andrews. Um, and this is a this is not a mini golf course. Okay, this isn't Myrtle Beach AstroTurf Cups Cut. This is a giant. Pinehurst Green with cup holders as tee markers, you know, barstool-sized cup holders for people. So that tells you how serious it is. They want you to relax and have a good time. But some of the – I don't know if we just caught pin placements on the wrong day or what, but some of the most impossible putts I've ever seen because it was lightning fast. I mean, this is a, a manicured, top-dressed putting surface, and it was comical. It was a good way to, to end the day because there was so much laughter at how bad we were playing it. it. I just 
beyond beyond some of the pugs were beyond comprehension. I mean, and the best part is, so there are five of us in the degenerate subset, and <laughs> you know we're we're paired up three against two, and there was so much strategy of maybe you should hit it, you know, maybe you should hit it like fifteen feet that way, just totally that. You know, the hole's over there, hit it in the complete opposite direction and try to play it off that hill that's behind it and have it come back. I mean, just ridiculous things that were trying. And then the next guy on the same team goes 15 feet to the other side of the hole. Well, let's try it from over there and see if it breaks better that way. I, I mean, we've played a heck of a lot of golf, and, I mean, there were holes that just completely baffled us. <laughs> and these aren't we're not talking about 100 yard putts these are these holes were about 40 feet long maybe mm, yeah i mean yeah it, it wasn't there was there was none of them as a pitcher's mound as far away <laughs> no there are some, some of them that were a little shorter than that and it still i mean total rolling distance was still probably about 50 yards because you had to go up the bank and it came back down the hill and I mean, there was one hole where Matt, I believe, told me, uh, and again, this is after multiple you know, transfusions, um, that um, he was going to play it up, up to the left, let it come down that slope, and then was going to go up the mound on the right, and then he was expecting it to come back down off of that mound toward the hole. And I was like, mm, all right, let's see. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was so dark by that point. I'm not quite sure if I actually saw it come back off the second mound, or but I believe I'm, it made I'm it to the second sure, mound. Yeah, no, it did all those things. I'm, I'm uh, pretty darn sure that's how it went. And you still ended up yeah. in the gully with three other people. And, right, and I, and I still missed by 40 feet. Yeah. <laughs> and all of the – did you notice how many times that all five of us were within like a beach blanket of oh, yeah. each other? And we all took different angles at it, different speeds, everything else. And we all ended up in almost the same spot. You know, it, it occurs to me that you know, we only played the first nine. We, we literally ran out of daylight, and the moon wasn't bright enough for us to continue. But it occurs to me that those were little microcosms of how I think a lot of people perceive Tobacco Road's greens to be. Like you've got to aim, you've got to aim away from the hole to get it close. And they were every bit as fast. I mean, they were grainy. There were some where... You know, we took, we tried an experimental line, and all of a sudden, it caught a speed slot, and like we, you know, went to an area that we didn't even see. You know, four. Sorry for your ankle, because um, the place was packed, but it was, uh, it was diabolical to me. Um, but it was in an interesting. It was a good place to settle some bets because you you couldn't help but just laugh. Again, you're in close quarters with your buddies. Um, it'd be perfect for kids, I think. It would drive them a little crazy, but also, the, you know, just knowing how my young kids approach golf, absolutely fearless. They've got no pride, no no shame with any of their shots, so they would just love it, just uh, watching the ball do crazy things. Um, you know, have you ever played? Have you ever seen putts like those? Uh, either, I mean, we've played we've played some pretty nice courses with some pretty fast greens, um, just the three of us, and I don't. I don't recall having a watching a ball do that very often. Uh, no, I mean Matt. I mean between me and you, the only thing that 
I think came close are a couple holes at like the course that you and I play a lot, Pine Hill up here, you know, yeah. close to where we live. Yeah. There's a couple of them that, you know, there's like big bowls in the green and, you know, about this time of the year, the greens get so fast. It's like putting on your, you know, kitchen floor anyway. Um, and you have to take one of those lines where you're like, you know, you look straight ahead and look at the hole and you're going to put up the hill and let it come back down and around. Um, and I got a little bit of that. There was a time or two where I, 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 I thought about that, but, um, a grand scheme, you know, no, there's, there's not many places where you're, you know, you're teeing off a, where you're putting from an area where there's a, a giant mound or, you know, five feet in front of you on the right that you have to kind of play off of to go over to this other mound that's like, you know, 15 feet in front of that, that then slopes down to the green or to the hole on the on the right. There's not many times that, you know, that ever comes up. Well, there there's just so much slope in so little space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's probably well said. Well said. Uh, there's I've never seen anything quite like that where you know i've I've seen you know where it's super fast or where this there's a lot of slope but there were a lot of different slopes in a very (laughs) small area and that's what makes it that's what makes it so funny you know that's why there's so much laughing is because you hit it somewhere and if you're i mean you just miss a little bit and you get on the other side of that hill it's like you're playing some other hole at that point yeah, there there were a couple where the the speed and the line didn't exactly match up, and all of a sudden the ball broke, just a complete misread. I think that the, <laughs> in, the industry term is uh, a lot of unpinnable surface, because yeah. because it's those yeah. mounds, because of that that Himalaya nature of the course. But all in all, um, you know, I, I'm not a a big big name course fan just for the namesake. Um, you know, Pinehurst number one was a nice round to, to shake the rust off. Now it, it's it's priced up there equivalent kind of with you know almost at the mid pines or just below the the pine needles level, and I, I don't think the experience is the same. But um, the cradle, the putting course, and just being around the resort, just being able to to grab a drink in the bar and go sit on the the porch or the patio, some of those rocking chairs, and kind of watch golf develop around you and just you know wash over you uh it, definitely worth it definitely a a way to start a trip probably a good way to end a trip too if you're doing something closer uh or if you're playing on the resort i could see how you'd never want to leave and taking a shuttle would be great but um any other final thoughts on the, the knocking off the rust round or a way to to start a golf trip down there at pinehurst guys I mean, there's there's no place quite like Pinehurst, honestly. It's and, and don't get me wrong, you know, we had we had the Europe, the National Lampoon's European Vacation version, and that was obviously its own kind of wonderful. Um, you know, on this side of the pond, there's a lot of wonderful places. Pinehurst is just kind of special. It's one of those things where you pull into the parking lot, you see the the clubhouse that you've seen on, you know, in on TV or wherever. And it just has its own kind of feel and it is so golf centric and just like you walk in there and you know, it's, it, it just kind of hits you. It's one of those, but I remember the, the first time we drove in there a couple, couple of years ago and it's just, it's its own kind of a place. And you walk in and you're like, wow, this is a really 
it's a really special place if you like golf. And so I, I think the cradle and, and the putting course do an excellent job of, of really, you know, allowing you to, to be absorbed in all of that, even if you don't want to go out and play, you know, or pay to play one of the, you know, one of the nine courses. You know, I think um, to Matt's point, you know, we were all fortunate enough to go over and play St. Andrews, you know, and um, I, I have to say that I, I at this point, I think that, you know, Pinehurst is probably like, you know, our version of, of St. Andrews, you know, that's kind of where golf started, you know, in America. And that's something and you go down there and and the whole town is golf centric, as you said, Matt, and they love it. That's what they're there for. And, and that's what Pinehurst is. Right. And they're proud of that. You know, they're they're proud of, of of what they have. And it shows. Right. I mean, it shows. And I think that, as you said, if you like golf, you know, that's definitely someplace you you know, you have to go. Right. You have to go down there at some point and experience it, because no matter how many things you listen to or whatever you read about it, it's you know, it's very personal. You know, everyone takes something from it in a different way. Um, but when it comes right down to it, you know, it's it's something that, you know, golf should be right. I mean, the 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 courses down there are great, but the the putting course, the the cradle, you know, those are fun, right? That adds another layer to it. And if you're going to take a trip, you know, like we're all fortunate to go on, um, that is a great part of that trip. You know, I had as much fun playing, you know, that one day as I did everywhere around, everywhere else that we played. I mean, that encompassed everything. We got all an 18 hole round in there. Then we got the you know, give our buddies a bunch of crap for missing a five foot putt, which I'm not going to give anybody a bunch of crap missing a five foot putt playing 18 holes. Right. I mean, it's different. It has a different feel. But Matt, if you're going to if you're going to miss the green from 35 yards, I'm going to let you hear it. Right. I'm that cradle. I'm no, going to let fair. you hear it. And, and I, I mean, that, I that's what that. it, yeah. that's what it is. Right. I mean, I don't know it. You have to experience. And the only thing I'll say and the only thing that I'll end on, Dave, is, you know, the first time we went down there and everybody was getting ready to go to the cradle, I was I was 80 percent that I was going to stay at the house, you know, sit down. You guys go. I'm just going to relax and I'm going to prepare for tomorrow. I almost didn't go. Um, Now, part of that was because we just drove down there. Part of it was, you know, I'm a. At heart, I'm a cheapskate, and I didn't want to pay 50 bucks to play a, a part three, you know, golf course, right? But I will tell you that if I hadn't have done it, or if I hadn't done it the first time, playing it twice, and if I hadn't done it the second time, I, I would have missed out. I would have regretted it. Um, you know, sometimes you just have to kind of swallow that little bit of. Uh, um, curmudgeon that's in deep down inside of me and and i just got to do it because um it's so enjoyable um and it's so much fun and you know playing with you guys you know it, it brings a whole different level to it you know there's just there's just so much to be said for playing with a bunch of friends um and you know just having a good time yeah 
And so. that's that's well said, and that's what that course really draws out, at least in our experience, is that you've got everybody there in close quarters. It's a, a leisurely walk. Um, you know, it takes about an hour to get around, and that's an hour spent just purely having fun. Yeah, the the golf is nice, but it you're it's again it's just fun banter, a uh, little bit of competition, and some really good golf architecture. I think that helps make it fun. You know, this isn't short tees on the north side of Indianapolis. Uh, you're not you're not hitting off. Well, you did hit off mats this year, uh, but I think that was a product of there being thousands of kids that probably as soon as their matches were done in the, the U.S. Kids World Championship, uh, guess where they all wanted to head? Exactly. Right over there. Try to get in the front of the line to get onto the cradle course. All right, guys. That's that's what I've got. That's a pretty good first day. Um, yeah, that, I was trying to think back to see if I can remember... I remember the last hole that we made. Matt and I made a putt, I think, to to get us back to square. But on that this will do. But not, that's the stuff of nightmares. Stuff of nightmares. It, I mean, when you got a, a forty foot putt and making four wins the hole. <laughs> <laughs> where where the the total puttage on that hole is 200 feet right. <laughs> yeah because yeah. yeah. you went 40 and 40 and then 40 back yep. and i guess that's 160 yeah, yeah. And then you got a two putt from there yeah um, uh, i was reading you know we didn't really i've got the scorecard here Oh, wow, that just really blanks out my screen. Anywho, it disappears. Yeah, yeah. I've got the. Th- I picked up a Thistle Dew scorecard while I was out, and one of the first thing, one of the big things here is, and this would be a fun way to play it. Did you know that stymies were played until 1952? The stymie rule wasn't abolished until the 1950s. Can you imagine? I, I didn't that? know the date. Yeah, I didn't know the date, but that's uh, yeah, that would that would be horrible because what did I say earlier? Everybody ends up in the same damn spot. If, and I quote, if two balls were more than six inches apart, there'd be no provision for the ball near the hole to be marked and lifted. A stymied player could try to play around the other ball, but if the nearer ball was struck, no penalty ensued. The opponent had the option of playing the ball as it lay or replacing it. Now, that, that adds a croquet element to it. If the ball was knocked into the hole, the opponent was considered to have holed out on his previous stroke. Oh, my. Woo. Boy, that's a little caveat out there. <laughs> Next time we go, guess what we're playing? We're playing, oh, we're, we're playing the stymie rule. I'll, Boy, I'll, mark, I'll, I'll mark six inches on my... My putter grip. There you go. Well, we'll uh, at, at that point, I'm knocking one of your one of your balls onto some other hole there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. There you go. The, Enjoy the eight strokes it takes you to get that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very much a croquet game at that point. <laughs> wow. You, you got guys taking twelves. Yeah. <laughs> Circle eight. That's right. John Mark just throwing drinks at people. Pinehurst Resort is an incredible experience. Look, we don't stay on the resort property, and the three courses we discussed in this episode constitute the entirety of our 
collective experience at the Pinehurst Resort and golf courses proper. Numbers 2 through 9 remain on the to-do list, and I'm hopeful that we'll have many more opportunities through buddies' trips or maybe through one of my escapes to the area to have the opportunity to play those courses. Nonetheless, the history of the village of Pinehurst and the resort come through at every turn. The town is incredibly beautiful. It's laid out by the American master of landscape architecture, Frederick Law Olmsted. So the resort is literally at the center of town and everything feeds to either the hotel or the golf club. It's really stunning. There's a stately but not grandiose feel driving and walking through the town and up to the, the Pinehurst Golf Club house. Walking from the parking lot to the actual pro shop, the lawn bowling courts do kind of catch you off guard and create a little bit of a, a false sense of formality because the entire resort is one of the most laid back places I've ever been. Once inside, the actual Pinehurst Clubhouse is a museum of American golf. The staff is laid back and they do a lovely job of making you feel welcome by frankly leaving you alone, leaving you to explore and soak in all of that history of the very place that you're standing. The trophies and plaques are remarkable. They're really markers of time and of pageantry of the days gone by. The pro shop uh, seems to exist in a constant bustle. Okay, as tourists and enthusiasts scurry about to collect their souvenirs. Uh, I'm fond of the cradle gear that I can get there and I can bring home to my boys who are always to have who are always happy to have something uh, that matches what dad has. So we've all three got cradle t-shirts now. Once you make it to the back patio at Pinehurst and you see number two, we pull up a rocking chair over on the on the side, uh, look out overlooking number four and number one, and the this'll-do putting course in the cradle. It starts to sink in that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. The whole vibe says grab a drink, relax, and just be present in that wonderful place. And frankly, as far as big resorts go, Pinehurst does this part of the experience probably as well as just about any place. And my goodness, the sights from that clubhouse. The cradle probably exhibits the very best of the Sand Hills aesthetic. It's got beautiful green grass, meticulously groomed. It's got greens with all sorts of humps and ridges and bumps guarded by bunkers and sandy native waste areas. There's plenty of the clumpy grass growing in and around those waste areas in a way you really just don't find in other parts of the country. For being only 10 acres, the site has lots of vertical movement. You know, for example, the tee shots on the, let's see, second, third, fifth, and eighth holes are semi-blind at best, depending on the pin position. Some of them uh, probably fully blind, left only to your imagination. As I mentioned, the course has arrived in full force. The cradle is $50 to play, but that's a play-all-day rate. Uh, unfortunately, now it's kept on a short tee time availability schedule, elevated to the same 24 hours before only for non-resort guest status as uh, Pinehurst number 2 and Pinehurst number 4. And frankly, for good reason. There's a certain nostalgia we have as a group for when we played in 2018, before everybody knew about it. 
when we could breeze through, twice in two hours finishing all by ourselves, past the cusp of darkness, long after the staff had gone home and the, the pubs on site had closed. And while that's a great memory and you always hearken back and wish things the way they were, I'm glad it's caught on. One, because it's a great course and everyone should get to experience it. And two, because I hope it contributes to the continuing trend of resort and destination courses, including a pitch and putt or a short par three or short course for guests to enjoy. To provide that place to gather and laugh at the end of the day with a drink and a smile and breathing easy. And the golf course experience at the Cradle is tremendous. Architect Gil Hance did a phenomenal job capturing uh, what allows the spirit of the game to take hold and really take over while on those nine short holes. So I mentioned in the episode, the key to the Cradle is that everyone walks together in a small area. There's a real work in creating that relaxed atmosphere that we alluded to in the episode, and it really works there, where the emphasis is less on the golf swing or executing a strategy and much more, almost exclusively on how you can enjoy the combination of good company and fun wild greens and uh, non-traditional shots. We beat up on Pinehurst a little bit one in this episode, um, but don't take that to mean that we had a poor experience. It's a fine course. It's a good Donald Ross routing. For me, it was a fun and easy walk. The course actually predates Ross's involvement at the resort, but he's given credit for it because I think he did basically a complete overhaul on number one. We didn't love the greens, but frankly, that's from only one time around. And that comes on the heels of a thousand plus juniors playing uh, as part of the U S kids world championship. So, Maybe we didn't get an accurate portrayal of that course while we were there. Who's to say? Um, you know, it was a good primer for our trip. It was a fun round. It was a good round to play a stroke-based uh, game on. We played our flag game. So I've got no regrets. Um, not in love with the rack rate prices for any course down at Pinehurst for the resort proper because I think there is a certain amount of big name resort premium attached to them all. But even at that number one was worth playing and it had enough intrigue and interest for me to wonder if I might not play it again. Uh, next time I'm down there in the sand Hills. Hey, thanks again for stopping by for this episode of the blind shots podcast. As always, I hope you liked what you heard here and that you'll subscribe to the podcast on your favorite feed service. Maybe share an episode with your friends or retweet the show link. If you're on Twitter if you feel like sticking it to the man, head over to iTunes and leave a great rating for the show. Give them a piece of your mind, tell the world what you think of the show, and let them know that you don't care what anyone says about us. If you didn't like what you heard here today, sorry about that. Can't do anything about it now, you've already listened to it. But I will try to do better next time. And I hope you will join me again next time here on the Blind Shots Podcast. Until then, most importantly, I hope you're being safe and being smart and being sane out there. We will get through this. So remember, next time you're out playing golf, do decide to go for it and take dead aim.
Laughing really weird. weird. <laughs> this is what my head sounds like when I've had too much to drink. <laughs> That's right. That's right.